This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! my beautiful screamers and welcome to another episode of scream queens it's the podcast where horror gets gay this is episode 333 and tonight i'm joined by world famous filmmaker alan road kelly director and star of such movies as tales of poe and the bloodshed to discuss bert i gordon's 1966 camp gothic thriller picture mommy dead but before we go one step further please Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Patrick Walsh, and ever since 2010, I've been your guide to the weird and wonderful world of horror movies. But you, little one, have got to see them through my very, very gay little eyes. Oh, yeah! Before we start the show proper, I have to make a shout-out to my New York City area screamers. Okay, whatever you have planned this week, cancel it. You need to drop what you're doing and get tickets to The Drag Seed, which is being performed over at La Mama Experimental Theater in Manhattan. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's a drag spoof of the famous 1956 uh, psychological thriller, The Bad Seed, camp classic. It's exactly what it says it is on the package and more. It's so good. It's so funny. And it's only like $12. Plus, it's only playing through April 10th. So your window to see this movie is super small. I saw it on Saturday. We laughed our asses off. It's so much better than you thought it was. My hat's off to David Serda, uh, David Serda and the Helena Handbag production company that he runs. They're out of Chicago. They're only in town for a little while. Do not miss this show. Do you want to know how gay this show is? How gay is it? Well, it's so gay that the night I saw it, both drag legend Charles Bush was in the audience, as well as Fred Schneider from the B-52s. Who's going to be in the audience when you see it? I don't know. you got to go see it yourself. I'm putting a link down there in the show notes where you can get information, where you can see your reviews, so you can see that it's not just me raving about it. And if you're smart, you can get them on the Today Ticks app for even cheaper, girl. Mm. Get them now. Get, are you doing it? Are you doing it? You're not doing it. I'll wait. No, I won't. We got a show to do. What a show it is. Old Hollywood had a word that they used to describe movies like Picture Mommy Dead. And that word is schlock. Schlock is a Yiddish word, which is used to describe something that is cheap or poorly made or in bad taste. But when it comes to movies, you would think it means, oh, a bad movie, a piece of crap. But no, you must remember that old Hollywood is just like new Hollywood. They don't really like horror movies. They're embarrassed by horror movies. So what they call schlock, we call a really good time. You know what I mean? I've seen a schlock film defined this way. A schlock film is a term given to a film that represents a low-budget horror or sci-fi flick with overly sensational plots, lurid special effects, and perhaps a bit of immature, albeit comedic, humor. They make it sound like a bad thing, but to me it sounds like a great time. And if you have not seen Picture Mommy Dead, I highly suggest you stop what you're doing and go watch it right now because it's an absolute hoot. It's on YouTube for free. There'll be a link down there in the show notes. This movie's got everything. A creepy mansion, a disturbed young girl, a murdered woman, a missing necklace, and a viper's nest of greedy, conniving cunts all conspiring to either screw each other out of a fortune, kill each other, or both. 
It's fabulous. And know it's even going to be more fabulous when I bring on Alan Rowe Kelly. So why don't I play you the trailer and go get Alan and get ready for Picture Mommy Dead. Through a young girl's eyes, you will see torment, torture, and flaming horror as she is driven to the brink of insanity by the gnawing knowledge of her own guilt in horrifying evil. Isn't she? We are all killers, one way or the other, I suppose. Susan! <laughs> Me and Danny, it's Danny! I killed her! I killed her! And I wanted to help her. Give me the necklace. So joining me for this segment, I am delighted to have back on the show a person who, well, they're a filmmaker, and not only they're a filmmaker, they are the embodiment of both hot couture and grand guignol, the perfect package. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, at my GNCs, wherever you may be, please welcome back to the Scream Queen studio, Alan Rowe Kelly! Thank you, Patrick. It's wonderful to be back and seeing you again. Same here. It's wonderful to have you well, on. Well, I can see you. They can't, but they... <laughs> well, sucks to be them, doesn't it? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. How are you? I'm doing really well. Spring is here, finally. Yes, and you have been a busy beaver making movies. Not bad, yeah. But keep, well, you know, but just keeping busy. Just trying to, like, you know, once this whole pandemic thing passes, kind of, like, have to get back into the routine of things, so... Doing, I'm doing a movie in upstate New York and uh, just finished with Site 13 and getting that out to all these, uh, you know, film festivals and, you know, places to review and lockdown distribution, hopefully by the fall. Tales of Poe finally got its re, uh, a new life and a resurgence with a new distributor after it's been shelved literally for five years. So Wow, really? Wow, I didn't yes. realize that was the issue. Wow. Uh, I, know yeah, that, I, never, I know there was a big deal that it was Amazon Amazon Prime now. That's an even bigger deal. I did not know that it was... Uh, wow. Oh, yeah, we were with one particular distributor who's known for, like, picking up a lot of horror titles. And they basically shelved us for five years, you know? And they can say no, but they shelved us because nobody ever heard about the movie again for another five years. Never made a penny, never made a cent, never was seen anywhere. Yet it was up on platforms, and I just refused to... Promoted at that point. And, no, why um, bother? Why yeah, bother? Exactly. That's, so yeah, I, you're working for free then. Exactly. So we just waited for the contract to run out. It was five long years. But 
In a way, I think it's better now because we were immediately picked up by Indie Rights and put onto four platforms immediately with a very nice deal. And, you know, it's funny. Five years ago, all of that would not have been available to us. True. You know? True. And now it is. So to, you know, maybe to us it's an old film, but to everybody else, it's actually a brand new film. So let it let it live. Let it live, you know, and I couldn't be happier. Yeah, it's old stories anyway. It's, it's Edgar Allan Poe, and you put a new spin on them, and hey, it's time. Things happen Definitely. when they're supposed to. I think so, too. I think so, too. You mentioned Site 39. I know, 13. It's been picked. Oh, 13, sorry. <laughs> site 69. Site 39 <laughs> is how I look. That's what I, that's what I, I look 39. I, oh, my God. Of course you do. Of course <laughs> I'm 27. Of course you are, darling. <laughs> tell I know I've noticed that it's been it's been uh, getting nominations and winning some awards. Tell me, t- talk about Site 13. I know nothing about it. Site 13 is a film. So that I was, said it wrong again. Goddamn. That's all right. It's okay. <laughs> Just think Friday the 13th. Site 13. 13. Bad number. You know. Um, Site 13 was produced and directed by my friend Nathan Faudry, excellent actor and writer, and um, it's a film that actually took him like 16 years to make. So it's a found footage cosmic horror. They shot this found footage movie something like 16 years ago, and it kind of sort of went away, and he wanted to resurrect it, and he did. And I put that into a movie. Then he made another movie around it, and then we put all three of them together, and he came out with this really bizarre little film. It's great. Nice. It's really cool. I mean, it's micro-budget, but... Um, they let me edit it and get my hands in there and help them produce the last half of it. And I was able to put my spin on it with them. And it, it really is like, it's, it's having a nice little run and it's a, it's a really bizarre little film, but it's cool. It's cool. Nice. If anybody is going to make miracles with a micro budget, it's you based on you in a dollar store picking, making props and costumes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, you can make little... magic out of absolute shit. So. But, but you know, something would be absolutely magic to have a lot of money for a change. Well, and yes, just of say, course. Yes, and just yes, say, course. I want that. I want that. I want that. I and have somebody that. else deal. With it. <laughs> you make it. I would still, you know, I'd still be such a pain in the ass and have my hands in it, you know, and but I, I pity a wardrobe or costume designer. I bring in or, Anything like that, because they'll they'll just hate me. <laughs> no, no, that way, that way. But you've earned but, that hate. You've, you've earned oh, but that I wouldn't, hate. you know. But but I, I seriously wouldn't do it. I have finally learned after twenty some years to just sit back and let the real talent do what brought on to do. Leave them alone, you know. Because a lot of the times they'll probably think of a much better idea than you had, you true, know. So you true. have to let that talent fly. But whose name is above them on the credits? Yours. <laughs> well, I earned, yes, but I earned that too. And theirs will be exactly. one day. And theirs will be one day too. You know, just have to be enthusiastic about that. Now, Ellen, something that I have completely meant to bring up both times you've been on the show before, and I keep forgetting, you are deeply involved in the New York City Horror Film Festival. I was. Yes. I oh, mean, you I was. Oh, great. No, oh, no, oh, no, I, no, but that's all right. I haven't, well, no, I don't mean it that way at all. I haven't been with them in the past four years. Oh, okay. Um, you know, uh, I just uh, every time it was coming up, I'm I'm merely the host and the MC. You know, okay, and sort of like the film filmmaker liaison. I'm not a judge or anything like that. I just come in for the days and welcome everybody in, do all the announcements before the films, and I do watch a lot of the movies before they're screening, so I know what I'm talking about. You know, and also just you know personally, just to welcome all the filmmakers in. So I'm just there, kind of as like you know, mistress of horror, basically. 
and and, and along with uh, you know uh, with all the other group of people that we were doing it, there was about four or five of us. Bart Master Nardi used to be one of us too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he, we were just speaking before we started this session, and he wanted me to send you his very best. And the Aww. next time you can pick a movie, he wants all three of us to do it together. Yeah, I thought of that last night. He definitely wants Bart to come to. on your podcast and have the three of I think it'd be a hoot. Okay, it's just scheduling. It's you nailing you two down is difficult because they're so popular and busy. Oh, but that's stop a good it. Thing. You know, there's never a booking date that I can't make with you. <laughs> it's it, it just makes the time more precious. Yeah, well, no, no. It's just, you know, hey, if anyone's, you know, if people really want to speak to you that bad, I'm certainly going to accommodate them. So this is something I also just thought of today as I was writing up my notes. I said, when one of the times you were on, I think when I was just talking to you one-on-one about making films, and we were talking about Tales of Poe. Yes. And we were talking about the segment uh, on Casca of Amontillado. And I said, yes. it was one of my favorite scenarios because he gave us a house full of rich cunts who cannot stand each other. And that so segues into our film tonight, doesn't it? It absolutely <laughs> does. Welcome to Picture Mommy Dead from 1966. I was thinking oh. that when we watched this. And I was like, my favorite character immediately was the gold digger, Martha Heyer. Francine, I was like, that's my part right there. I, you know, <laughs> if I could play that type of role for the rest of my life, I'd be stereotyped and happy. Absolutely right. Because they're too much fun. But picture mommy dead. First yes. of all, it sounds like something Betty Davis would say. Picture mommy dead. You know, it just has that sort of cadence to it. It does. It does. And I was surprised <laughs> when you asked me to watch that because I remember I hadn't seen it since I was in, oh, late teens, early 20s. And I hated the movie back then. Back then, I thought, yeah. oh, what a snore. And then to finally revive it and watch it 30-some years later, I so dug it. It was great. It was the perfect choice. Because it's not a horror movie at all. No, it, I guess you'd call it a thriller, a whodunit, you know. It's a pot boiler is what it is. <laughs> well, hell yeah. It's everything in the kitchen sink thrown in there. It's got a little bit of everything. It's got your Oedipus complex. It's got your gothic house. It's got your creepy kid. It's got murder. It's got conniving. It's got falconry. <laughs> yes, screeching, <laughs> screeching hawks. <laughs> a screeching hawk attacking you in your bed. You know it's really going to pack girl, a girl. That was her last. You know, Susan Gordon, that was her last movie, yeah, you know, yeah. that she ever made. We'll get into her. We'll get into uh, her. Interesting. What- so I was like, so wondering if she was just too traumatized by this film. And, and of course, Zsa I mean, really, Zsa For a long time, especially during this period, she didn't do a lot of film appearances. And the ones that she did are all camp gold. <laughs> well, Queen of Outer Space is just a yeah. milestone in cinema. <laughs> There's, you know, I mean, you, you know, you have these people, these men traveling to Venus and it's full of Venusians. But there just happens to be the head scientist with that Hungarian accent. With a Hungarian you know, accent. <laughs> from in Venus. You know? Because it's why just, not? It's excellent. Okay. For those out there who might be on the younger side, Alan, who is Zsa Gabor? Very interesting. Zsa Gabor was one of three sisters brought over from Hungary in the mid-30s by their domineering, uh, go- uh, uh, you know, mother, uh, Ma- I guess you'd call it Mominger, Jolie Gabor. So there was Ava Gabor from Green Acres, Zsa Gabor, the original, the original uh, celebutant, really, like, before the Paris Hiltons and all of that, there was Zsa She was famous for being famous. Yeah. Yes, and then there was Magda, who was another uh, a socialite daughter as well, too. And um, they just became famous by being famous and popular and just in the in crowd. And they were very beautiful, and they had these unusual accents. And, you know, 
it, they just they just picked up from there. And Zsa became by the '60s, she was like the the queen of the talk show ter- circuit. Merv Griffin, Mike Douglas, you'd see her everywhere, and um, she's just a hoot, just a hoot. I mean, I don't know much about Magda, but I mean, you had. Ava Gabor, who was the sweet one. And the actress. The sweet, funny one. And then you hit Jaja, who's the bitch. <laughs> well, yeah, and she was married like nine times. And, you nine know, times. And then, then the sister married Queen the Heaven. Ex, the sister married the ex-husbands. Yeah. So, like, they both married George Sanders, and they both married somebody else. Like, they're very, <laughs> very sordid, but very fun to watch. So, basically, this movie is a biography. <laughs> In a sense. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe by the daughter, Francesca, possibly. Yeah. But... And, and I mean, if you if you really want to stretch, Jean-Jacques Gabor did, in fact, wind up to be a Freddy Krueger victim at one point. That's true. That's true. And the one thing I did notice about watching this movie is you know that, you know, Jean-Jacques, like in this film, even though it's all done in flashbacks, you know they had her in only for one day. Oh, absolutely. You know that was one day because it's of like, like, I'm only coming in for one day. I'm wearing one outfit. I'm going to go through makeup once. I'm wearing my own outfit. <laughs> even the producer's <laughs> like, we have to get rid of her. <laughs> She's going to make us crazy. Don't give her many lines. And <laughs> you wonder, you wonder, did they bring her in for a much larger, larger role in the film? And then by day one, they said, no, this is, we're going to have to rewrite this a little bit. I'm a little curious about that. The role was actually supposed to be Hedy Lamar. She was cast. <gasps> wow. But they had to fire her when she got arrested for stealing those like $27 slippers. <laughs> That's oh, shoplifting. That's yeah. right. Oh, the poor thing. Really? Yeah. That, and then it was Merle, 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 Merle Oberon. Yeah, then it was her, and then she backed out because she thought the script was terrible. And then it finally, third choice, Zaza. Well, I think we Zsa want Zsa the part for you, Zaza. I, don't tell her. Don't Zsa, tell her. Yeah, <laughs> I think Zaza was great. But I had to say, what I was really impressed about is when I saw the credits and I saw directed by Bert I. Gordon. That's I, why you're here, Alan. I was <laughs> so surprised by that because I'm used to Bert I. Gordon's with amazing colossal men, giant spiders, and locusts bugs, attacking yeah. Chicago and bugs, just yeah. big bugs. And big, big rats, people. yeah. <laughs> yeah, rats too later on. So I was really impressed that he went for a much straighter narrative this time. You know, um, I mean, he still has like attacking animals. We have the falcon. So he can't get away with it. You know, he's always got animals attacking somebody. Somewhere, you know? but, gotta have. But I was really impressed with this for him. Yeah. For him, this yeah. was definitely a, a quality production. You know? Well, when you were on last time, Alan, when we had that little sit-down chat, you when I said, like, what, what are some of your favorites, you rattled off three bird-eyed Gordons, and I said, you know what? This is a good match for oh, Alan. Cool, it's a campy cool. movie, and it's a bird-eyed Gordon. He's going to have fun. Definitely, yep. definitely. Good times. Okay, so, Alan. <laughs> yes. Alan. Yes. Alan Ro Kelly. Yes, yes, Patrick. I need you to do a job for me. I we play a little game here at Scream Queen's headquarters. I need you to give me a nice, tight, 30-second elevator pitch plot summary of picture mommy did don't pitch me the whole script sell me that script you have 30 seconds the clock starts now okay your, your mother your wife your your employee is Zsa, Zsa Gabor you hate her you kill her but we don't know who did it and three years later we have to find out who did you know is it the is it the jealous husband was it the gold digging governess was it the crazy daughter or was it her lover that lived out in the back house painting who knows? We'll find out now. Run it up. I'm sold. Take any my money. Good? Any good? Any good? That was fast. I, you know. It's not supposed to be good. That's why I spring it on people. Thank you. That's why you, you did called fabulous. me because it's not supposed to be good. <laughs> oh, hush now. Hush now. Yeah. 
Yeah, Zsa Zsa Gabor is murdered right at the beginning of the movie. So with the title picture, she's dead before Picture Mommy Dead <laughs> appears on screen. I said, okay, I don't need the picture. We just some. Yeah, <laughs> on fire at the top of the movie. I know, and that's the one thing I, I thought if they they should have shown a little after shot. You know what I mean? Like you know that Zsa was just way too vain to get into burn makeup. Oh, absolutely. With and this, let them do, and let could them you do imagine? That. No. Can you imagine her sitting in that makeup chair for eight hours to look ugly? Never. Oh, no, no, that would never happen. That would never, never. happen. Never. Even when so. she's dead, she's perfectly posed and perfectly quaffed. It's wonderful. It's but wonderfully silly. But they still silly. did great effects with like with like with the, the mannequin feet getting on fire and the, and the portrait yeah. and the double exposures of flames and like yeah. all, every time like the daughter had a flashback and Jaja would be half flames, half real. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really effective, especially for 1966. For 1966, yeah. Looked very good. Looked very good. One of the things about this movie that I had the same experience. Uh, I had a guest who brought it to me early on in the show, uh, Dandy Darkly, a performance artist. Oh, yes, yes. And the episode was lost. First of all, I hated the movie, and I was like – it was the early days of the internet, and basically we were working with like – Computers made of wood and stone. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Run by a little bird on a wheel. But uh, <laughs> I was editing and editing and had to like, was pulling sound clips. And I was like, if I have to sit through this movie one more time, I have to listen to anything about this movie. And then the, the, the program crashed and it was all gone. Ugh. So the episode was lost. So here we are. I hated it then. I love this movie now. I love this movie. I, I have so- to say, you turned me around. You turned me around. It's a PG movie where nothing happens. In theory. But a lot is happening. But a lot is happening. I mean, all the horror tropes are used. All of them. And um, not some of them not very well, but, I mean, it's the old dark house. I love that they use the old Doheny estate, that they, they did, like, Betty Davis's Dead Ringers was just shot in there. You recognize yeah. the whole rooms and everything. So yeah. definitely, um, definitely they probably got that for a budget, you know, to get that, like, grand, grand place to shoot in. Definitely. Like I was going to say, nothing happens in the horror sense, and nothing overtly sexual happens in the movie. Nothing, nothing, nothing too risque. But, but yet, there's this whole, there's this whole level of ick. Well, <laughs> just I think smeared. it starts. I mean, I think it starts first of all, just even with the back casting too. They used a lot of people in this. You know, I mean, you have Don Amici playing the father, Jaja as dead Jessica. They bring in Martha Heyer to play Francine, Maxwell Reed. Is yeah. in there as well with his burn makeup on. But then in the bit part, you have Signa Hasso playing the nun. You had Wendell Corey screaming his head off as that lawyer, which was a riot. He's just screaming at this little girl. <laughs> he is so sick of this dealing with this whole family. <laughs> yes, it's, it's hysterical. And then they even brought in um, Anna Lee as one of the best friends during the auction scene. You know, so they have a lot of like really good old Hollywood faces in there. Which I thought was really a lot of fun. I mean, just to, like, build it up, obviously. Yeah. Make it a prestige production. The prestige. And it it gets people who can play with this kind of – this the the two-facedness of everybody. Oh, I got a big smile on and I'm stabbing you in the the back at the same time. But – But there's this whole level of ick over everything. And a lot of it – say, it's Susan Gordon. Ding. It's Susan (laughs) Gordon. It's – there's something – now, I I thought for some reason I was watching her and I said – Jeez, is she like 26 playing a 16-year-old? And I look in and it's like, no, she's actually the exact age. Yeah. But I think it's because they they made, they drew her – her hair is so mature and her clothing, she looks like an older woman, like a little girl dressed in older women's clothing. And that's a little bit of a an odd throw-off, yeah. I thought. And the voice, I found her so annoying. Oh, she's so fucking irritating. But, but – 
at the end, then I thought it was brilliant. That is why. That is why. I wanted to hit her with a brick for most of the movie. At a certain yeah. point, I, was, I just want – there's a seat like she has this annoying quality of whenever somebody asks her a question, she repeats the question. Like she and doesn't understand and, and it. it's that constant pouty woe is and me And her mouth, mouth's always open. Yeah, she has a very unusual expression in her face all the time, too. That's like a very pouty little doll. My God, this girl is thick. (laughs) (laughs) And naturally, she was just following the direction, you know? No, no, no. And actually, I realized this time when I watched it last night that this works. There's a scene with the lawyer early on where we're setting up the – like she's just been released from this – convent that's really a mental hospital because she saw her mother die and now nobody knows she doesn't remember so nobody really knows what happened she's the only one who knows but she can't remember she's coming home basically because her father's remarried the governess <laughs> for more sleaze who looks exactly like Jaja. <laughs> and we need the missing necklace we must find the missing necklace <laughs> they need money but the thing is jessica Jaja gabor in her will left everything to the daughter, the daughter. And they can't access it until she's of age, so they have to take care of her. Right till she's 25, they wouldn't give her the money. So that meant, like, another, what, six, seven years? Who knows? I'm going to get into I was very confused about how old this girl was for different reasons, but um, mostly the way people talk about her. But the, the law goes, Every penny of your inheritance is tied up in a trust fund. It can't be touched unless you become totally incompetent. That means crazy. Or unless you die. Or die. <laughs> totally incompetent. I love that. But the thing is, he hit totally because he's been having a conversation with her and she's just so thick. He, he, he asks her, he's like, listen, Jessica, I need to understand. Like, I know you've been in a mental hospital. I need to just kind of assess where you are. And she's like, girl, do you understand right and wrong? You know right from wrong? Right from wrong? Oh, what kind of reason? somebody estate? kills somebody for no good reason, do you think that person should be punished? Come on, girl, come on. Can't be too hard to decide whether a killer should be punished. Well, answer the man. I suppose. You suppose? It seems to me a very sane answer, considering the world we live in. Oh, my God. But, you know, it's really it's very funny, too, because that was an acting style that I found was very prevalent around that early mid 60s with teenage developing teenage girls. Like, Uh did you ever see the other William Castle movie? What's it called? I saw what you did. We just watched that on a watch party last week. (laughs) And again, the girls in that film are so annoying. Again, there's like this acting period that so I, I don't know that these girls were transitioning through and they were all acting like I don't know acting yeah. like infants like little yeah. girl infants it's very strange dynamic but the things I realized this, this time last night when I was watching that scene where he's asking you do you know right from wrong if you're if someone gets if someone murders somebody else should they be punished she's not answering she's got a secret I was like oh she's actually playing she's playing levels she's playing levels she because she's like yeah I, I I do remember but I'm not gonna say anything kind of all there when once you see it and watch and go oh got it now but there's a level what I was saying about the egg factor it comes from Susan Gordon because she's got she's really too attached to her daddy and it's uncomfortable don't you see mommy if I could be as pretty as you then daddy would love me also please mommy let me wear it for daddy so I can be pretty. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's uncut. Oh, yeah. Even the way she says daddy, daddy, 
my dear, my dear, I want to look pretty for daddy. Oh, 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 right, right, right. And adding to the ick is that this movie is directed by her father. Yes, her father. Wait. Bert, Bert Gor- yeah, that's her daughter. She's in that's... all these old movies. She's in, she's in Attack of the Puppet People. She's in Tormented. Yeah, is she's she in Valley kid. of the Giants also later? No, this was her last no. movie. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. I did not yeah. know that. She, she was the teeny bopper. I and, didn't and even put te- that together. I didn't even put that together. Well, she looks a lot different in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Not, like, those those few years were really harsh on Susan Gordon. But they, they apparently there was a huge casting. They, had, they tried to do, like, a Gone with the Wind casting thing. We're going to have a national search. That's they, what I they, found interesting they, about that movie. It's like you have this whole cast, and I said, and there comes this girl who I do recognize from a lot of television shows, gun, gun smokes and all of that. Yeah. But they auditioned 300 girls for the role of Susan, and he wound up giving it to his daughter, and it's this, this weird, it's just, it, ick, ick, but, ick, but it still, ick. you know what, it still works. It still works regardless, oh, it, it, you know? It's perfect. It's all perfect. It's what The movie needs that ick. Don Amici is flat as a board through the whole movie. It's like one note. Through the whole film. He's just like, you know, it's so one note, which I found, he's like, am I doing this for, you know, mortgage payment? Or... Said, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah, because I'm just following it. I'm just going to speak in a monotone voice through the whole thing. It's all right. It's all right, Susan. Don't worry. To be fair, everybody else, everybody in this, all of their lines, like particularly the governess and 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 the, the burn cousin, all of their lines are delivered with such plotting. Intrigue. It's like a Shakespeare play, but everybody thinks they're Iago. Oh yeah, Martha Hire. Martha Hire is just the the key. It's like the best thing in this film. She just eats up the scenery, and you know, and she'd been around for a long time. You know, she'd been around since the early fifties. She was uh, like Universal Studios' answer to Grace Kelly back in the early fifties, and she'd done lots of genre movies, tons. And she was also in a lot of big um, A pictures, but with more supporting type of roles. A lovely, lovely actress. And then she married Hal Wallace. Do you know where I recognize her from? It was driving me crazy. Uh, isn't Abbott and Costello go to Mars. That's right. She was a brunette then. She <laughs> yes, was she still was. a brunette. She was still a brunette then. That's right. And um, very pretty girl and really good. She's in the carpet baggers and a whole bunch of other fun, tawdry stuff in the early 60s. I really enjoyed watching her. She was chewing up the scenery. Unrepentant, like, and not unabashed, like, obvious, like, obviously gold digger, obviously playing everybody, obviously, like, using sex to get everything that she wants. Everybody knows, and she doesn't care. We'll all be old and gray by the time her inheritance is finally taken. It won't do any of us any good at all. With all that money, she'll find life very sweet. Would be a shame, wouldn't it, if Something should happen to her first before she has a chance to spend any of it. No, it's great. <laughs> it's, it's really great. And she's really not like, you know, the funny thing is she's really not a sexy actress. She's very beautiful and she's very classic, but she's not really overpouring on the sex appeal. You know what I no, mean? No, not at all. Dressed up to the T, like up to her neck on everything. And she, she doesn't, doesn't have, have to. to. Exactly. She's just all brains. And I really dug that part of her character. She's just a manipulative little minx. Is it true I made love to a bellboy at the hotel in Geneva? Or are you still wondering about that guy in Rome? Or the salesman in Munich? Was that true? I'll tell you something that is true, Edward. I'm sick to death of you and your jealousy. And I <laughs> thought that really, really worked. Just by, you know, with the whole, like, you know, using the outer governess type of look to her. It was really cool. 
like the Kim Novak and Vertigo type of thing. I, there's something about movies like this that I just love. I, I fell in love with this other movie last month uh, that I stumbled across on YouTube called um, The Amazing Mr. X. Oh, my God. I love these movies where you have women in, in, in these fabulous mansions, like cliffside, beachside mansions, who spend all day lounging around in fabulous gowns with no discernible source of income. <laughs> what do they do? Because I want that job really badly. <laughs> She's one of them. I'm like, oh, she, everything's in every, every scene that she's in. I'm like, you are just in the nines to do, to like, I was going to say do housework, but apparently nobody does that there because the house cleans itself. The yeah, house oh, is course. such a great character. The house is a wonderful character. I love every scene. Visually, it's so no interesting maids, because no butlers, nobody's no, around. <laughs> 20 foot ceilings. <laughs> but um, like, visually, it's so stunning because it's, it manages to be absolutely hideous. And gorgeous at the exact same and time. At the same time, too, if you notice, this, this is happening in a trend here where features were starting to look like made for TV movies. There was something about whatever type of cameras they were using back then or certain type of color tones. Like they, they were just starting in the late 60s, early 70s to make all those movie the weeks. And this is what this actually looked like to me, you know, because I was like, geez, was this maybe, I'm trying to think back, was this maybe like a Sunday night movie back in the 60s? that they immediately put onto into syndication or was it actually in the theaters? I, I believe it was in the theaters. Of course it was in the theaters. But, yeah. but it did look like that. I think another movie that suffers from that is the baby. Did you ever see the baby? Of course. With yes. Ruth Roman it's been a while. It's been that, a while. But... That crazy movie. But that looks like it was shot for television too. It looks like a TV episode. It's, it's, it's funny. They just, you know, and that, so that, that kind of element to the film just gives it a whole other air to it too. When I say it's it's hideous, like it, like it's this lush, it's like it's not oh, a I creepy mean, old house, except good. it is hideous. It's a fucking. Good. They live in a mausoleum of a mansion. Like oh, it yeah. looks like it. Apparently, all the furnishings came from the Hearst Castle. Probably yes, because yes. that that uh, Gray, Greystone Castle, uh, Greystone Mansion, where they shoot, is unfurnished. So they had to bring in all this stuff from Hearst Castle. And I said it makes sense because it feels like a museum. Like it doesn't feel like people live there. I can't imagine a child growing up there because I also noticed nobody sits on the furniture. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> they probably had rules. Stay off that couch. You can use that couch, but don't sit on it, you know. But it would be that kind of ass. I could see Jaja going, get off the sofa, darling. <laughs> don't I have any attractive children? Attractive children get to sit on the sofa. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you never see her outside of her bedroom anyway, you know? No. So that bedroom was definitely a full big pink set because I was still impressed with the pyrotechnics. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. that... That, I mean, they really set that room on fire, man. They, they let sure that did, girl. Go, and that was, and you know, a lot of the product, a lot of those um, materials back then, dacrons and all of these nylon synthetics, they they they'd go up in flames like really quickly. So I was wondering what that kind of a close set for that day must have been like. Just curious, like you're setting the whole bedroom on fire, and you certainly got to get your day's shooting out of it because once that room's gone, it's gone. It's gone. So yeah. It, it didn't burn. It melted. That's what that kind of fabric it was. Yeah. <laughs> it did. That's what was kind of chilling about it. Yeah. Yeah. So you have this wonderful Gothic mansion. It is that. And it's uncomfortable. I mean, it's gorgeous, but it's not. It's like every, everything is either industrial green, shit brown, snot yellow, but with occasional splashes of red that just make everything pop. Like, oh, and all of a sudden it's gorgeous. 
Well, what's so interesting about that weird green color, and I noticed that too, is that's what everybody in black and white television was using and black oh, and white film. Sense. They used this sense. weird sort of mint green colors to shoot everything. And, and you'd see that in a lot of the television shows when they went from black and white to color suddenly, like if it was, you know, Andy Griffith or Mayberry or something like that, you'll notice all the rooms are like, and furniture and everything, even the clothing was all these green tones. Everything was it makes green. Sense. Very interesting just to get all these different shades of gray and contrast uh, and contrast and everything. So I thought that I noticed that right away when I saw some of the scenes, I was like, ah, black and white green. <laughs> Very yeah. interesting. My favorite character in the movie is only in it for one scene. And that's, that's the nun. Yes. They're picking up the daughter at the beginning of the movie from yes. the, con the convent hospital. <laughs> and she's got one of my favorite lines in the movie. Which is... Susan's getting picked up, and she's so happy to be out of the hospital, and she's... I'm so happy, Daddy. I could explode. Young ladies who are about to graduate from high school do not explode. Young women who are graduating high school do not explode. <laughs> <laughs> How did I miss that? I have to watch this again. How did I miss that? I think I was just so impressed just to see Signa Hasso doing that role, yeah. you know? And, of course, she's got that... That great voice, that great raspy Norwegian voice. And just, I was just like, oh, wow. And everything out of her mouth is shade. Is she still having those nightmares you wrote us about? Always vivid, horrid nightmares. Perhaps if you would have been able to visit her, even to write more often. Perhaps if you had visited every now and then or written a letter or made a phone call. Coming back some, you know, send some money or something, you know. Yeah, that's all they did, just throwing money at it. But uh, yeah, it's, it's she's sister exposition, basically. Drops a whole lot of plot. She gives you the whole backstory. You must remember Susan went through a terrible ordeal, so terrible that the memory of her experience was wiped from her fragile mind by shock. And even though it has been three years since the accident, the tragic death of her mother has left scars that still pain her in the dead of night. But there are times when the phantoms of the past tear at that poor child's mind. There are times when she seems on the verge of... Remembering? Oh, heaven forbid she remembers. But then you go from that scene, then, then next to Wendell Corey screaming his head off from the very first line. It's great. Just... I'm just gonna growl at this whole damn family. I'm gonna, and I'm gonna be Southern. I, I think, was he Southern? At times. I think Texan. Oh, okay. I think he's from Texas. But I wasn't sure if he's just being Southern in the role at times. Oh, I know. Yeah. I just thank you. I'm here for the day. Give me my paycheck. <laughs> exactly. That kid's weird looking. I'm out of here. I'm going to scream my head off. That, <laughs> <laughs> that felt good. I recognize you. Didn't you used to be I... the help? <laughs> <laughs> that was a great line. It was really? Yes, this is my wife, Francine. How do you do, Mr. Claiborne? I've seen you before. Maybe. I used to live in this house. Francine was my governess. Took Jessica's place, eh? Well, you'll have to work very hard to be the woman she was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta say, Martha Hires, she really takes it on the chin through this because everybody's insulting her. Oh, absolutely. All the time. They're all saying, I was, I never liked you. I never thought you were sexy. I never loved you. I never, <laughs> everyone hates you. Sugar. One lump or two? I'll start with one. I never could understand your motive, especially since I knew how much you hated Jessica for holding on so tight to the family purse strings. 
So tight you never even had enough money of your own to impress a mere governess or even tempt me to consider your amorous advances seriously. You don't need any sugar, Francine. You're saccharine sweet as it is. So take but your everyone money. Everyone wants but... to bone her too. Everyone wants yeah, to bone her at the same yeah, time. Yeah, at the same time, you know, just you just whatever's available. It's just you know, she really she really takes it on the chin like a champ. I have to say, and she doesn't care either. She doesn't care. She doesn't care about any of them. No, she's got the money. I mean, she's my God, exactly she just like she she takes the freaking anchor hook. <laughs> A grappling totally, hook, yeah. <laughs> grappling hook, just totally stabs Maxwell Reed, and that was kind of gruesome for a minute. That noise he made was like, yeah. that was quite chilling. But you know, yeah. uh, but she didn't think to wipe her fingerprints off. Dum 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 dum. She didn't think that smart. I, that's the first thing I know. It's like, honey, you're not wearing gloves. I'm pretty and blonde. I've got this covered. I know, I know. <laughs> she got the dress. Who cares? Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Just hold the dress. The she dress. Wonderful- that was a riot too. Oh yeah, and actually, I did love the dress. Like the whole, there's a whole thing about Zsa's dress. She has a there's a portrait of Zsa that's a big plot point. It's very difficult to talk about this story because it's so convoluted. But the girl is haunted by the, the painting. She's looking at the painting. She's almost having a memory, but not quite having a memory. And there's something about the dress and the necklace in the painting that's triggering it. And it turns out that burnt that dress burnt in the fire. But there's a second dress, which just happens to conveniently be an, an extra dress. So I don't know how they thought that one up, but it was, you know, it yeah. was interesting. Well, it was funny. My, 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 mommy said that she had an, this, the one in the painting ripped, so mommy had a second one made. <laughs> I know, you know, that was like a last minute script revision. It's the same dress, isn't it? No. Well, what do you mean, no? It's identical. Yes. Yes, no. What do you mean, Susan? Mother had two dresses. This one got torn, so she had another one made. But she did wear it the night of the fire. Yes. Throw this in there sure, really Sure, sure, just move along, we move along, move along. Keep we going, may keep need going. another subplot here somewhere for something. What I love it, as the movie goes on, as the movie goes on, Francine, the, gover- the former governess, now stepmother, wicked stepmother, starts wearing— Mrs. Shelley, yes, Mrs. Shelley. Mrs. Shelley starts wearing the dress around the house. Which and is she- a right. Which is a Right. <laughs> well, she's totally, but then you realize that she's been totally gaslighting Susan since the very beginning. Yeah, because every time she walks in the room, Susan's seeing Zaza. Right. When she, and talking to her like she's Zaza, oh, that's mommy. Because she wants, she wants to send Susan back to the insane asylum. That way they can get their money. Right. She can, I'm sorry, she can get her money. The important thing is that Susan would be someplace where she's loved. She would have a relapse in this horrid house and have to be recommitted. You'd really be doing the poor child a favor now, wouldn't you? Think about it. It may warm you in your bed tonight. It would have been great if they just had Martha Heyer use a Hungarian accent, though. If they, that would have been, that would, that would have just made the movie perfect for me. (laughs) What I loved about this, too, is that she's walking around the dress, around the dress. She doesn't have the bust to fill it out like Zaza did. So they, she, well, you know, it's it, it, it's kind of interesting how that dress fit them, like it fits Jaja so well, but it didn't fit Martha very well. But I like that because she's a second-rate Jaja, right? Like, and, but Mar- and Martha's got a beautiful figure and everything, but it just oh, it wasn't it really wasn't fit for her, you know. So you could see that it was like a little bit too loose on the top and stuff like that, you know. I noticed that right away. But they called attention to it because there's that fur lining across the top of the, it's a sleeveless dress with the fur lining, which looks like a bird. Yes. Exactly. It looks like Wings. a first. Mm-hmm. And you know it was mink. You know that it was mink. So I was like, I know, I know it's just I know it, I know it's just a prop dress, but I want the I mink. don't wear the fake fur. Get that away from my body. I want <laughs> I want dead things on my bosom. 
But when Zaza's wearing it in her flashbacks, it's this big happy M that it's forming around her boobs. Oh, yeah, yeah. She has a very generous bust line, so she's a very voluptuous yes, girl. But then when Francine has it on, it's a straight line. <laughs> that's, that's kind of true. That's kind of true. You that know, bird can't fly, Francine. Hey, you know, Francine's got other talents than worrying about filling that dress out. That's for She sure. does. She yes. does. There are a couple of fun scenes in here, like most of them involving Susan having flashbacks. The scary scene with her toys. Oh, yeah. I thought that was really good. The first night there. Her first night back, her first time back in her room. She sees all her old toys, and she's all happy to see them, and they're all horrifying to start they with. They are. <laughs> I love when they use horrifying dolls and puppets and stuff like that. They're just, they're just terrifying. You know, but I remember, I remember some of those dolls. I'm like, I remember that troll doll. Well, yeah, I remember that creepy we clown doll. Ki- we were kids that, well, you would have been really young, but I was about seven when that movie was made. Yeah, I had my hand-me-downs from the older siblings. We so. all got everything passed down back in the day. You didn't have to have brand new everything. We just, you, you worked a toy to its death <laughs> when you had siblings. It was like, your turn now. <laughs> Will it make it to the next sibling? She starts hallucinating that the toys are all yelling at her, murder, kill her, murder, kill her. <laughs> murder, 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 Little hippie doll. It's like, let's split a tab. No, 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 no. Oh, my God. That's great. That's so true. Let's split a tab. And I don't mean a diet cola. Good memory on that one. I used to love that. I used to love that soda. (laughs) Tasted like battery acid. It did. I think that's why I liked it. It was like my early onset to alcohol before I got there. It was like, this tastes like almost like a drink. Dad needs money. That's a whole big driving thing why they have her back because the whole thing is like they don't own the house anymore. The state does. The only thing they own is the furnishings, but they can't sell anything without Susan's permission. So like, okay, Susan, like I'm out of money. I made some really bad investments as in give, buying everything for Francine. And <laughs> yeah, right, right. So they're having this they're, – they're having a, a flea market to sell all this gorgeous museum furnishings, and everybody who shows up is a huge cunt, and I loved it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was like, – they, they were all just like really nasty Beverly Hill bitches. It was great. Oh, yeah. Really great. And, you know, Poor Susan's coming down the hall. Is that the coming, one who's crazy? <laughs> oh, no, no. I wrote this one down, Alan, because this, this line has layers. Is that the little girl, the one that's a little loose? Oh, isn't that the little girl that's a little loose? <laughs> <laughs> in more ways than one exactly now, now she's not she's so please that's one thing how old is susan supposed to be well you know now i'm beginning to figure it out because wait a second if she, well obviously she was a little girl so she was away at the asylum for three years mm-hmm. so she had to have been about what 12 or 13 then, right? And she's about to graduate so i'm thinking she's supposed to be 18 but the way everybody talks about her they keep calling her little girl child and the way she acts is just... Uh, yeah, get, that's a little confusing. And also parts parts of the will get very confusing to me too because that got so convoluted. I got very confused as far as the logistics of where all the actual inheritance was going to go to. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But all, all you need to know is that she's got it. They want it. That's true. <laughs> and she ended up getting it anyway. And you She know, sure did. And she took care of her family. She took care of daddy too. Yeah, ending I did not expect. I totally forgot about it. I yeah. was the, I want to talk about Anthony, the cousin, the burnt cousin. Oh, he's great. He's Maxwell so Reed. Good. 
Oh, he's, he's so good. And the burn makeup was awesome, too. It was so subtle. It was enough that if the light hit it in the right spots, it looked ghoulish. Yeah, but it wasn't overdone. I'm wondering, I kept, you know, as a makeup artist, I kept watching him from scene to scene. And I'm wondering, because he's a very handsome man, he always had been. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if his vanity at certain points got in the way and said, let's make it worse for certain close-up shots, but for other shots, let's just kind of muddle the skin a little bit and not make it look as deformed. Did you notice that? I have a quote on that. Oh, you do? He specifically requested that they burn his the left side of his face because that's his more attractive side. <laughs> oh, really? So no matter what they do to damage it, it will still be beautiful. I'm still hideous. Wow. <laughs> They but I just thought, I thought that was kind of interesting. Look how hideous he is with that light burn. And you know face, what it yeah. is? It's from doing so many films, you realize some of the little quirks that certain people bring onto sets with things like that. And I'm just curious whether his vanity might have gotten in the way where at certain shots it had to be potent, the makeup, and at other shots, not so much. Because he still has to be uh, handsome and sensual enough that Francine would still want him. Right. What I thought was great, the first time we meet him, they're bringing Susan home from the hospital, and he opens the door to the mansion (laughs) for them. And apparently it's the first time they've seen him since the fire either, and nobody reacts like a normal human being. I know. It's so bizarre. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, my God, Anthony. Good Lord, Anthony. We had no idea. Nobody told us. Not a word. You could have written us about it. Yes, I even meant to have my picture taken and close it with a letter. But unfortunately, the postal authorities don't allow pornography in the mails. Oh, it's like, it's sort of like, now, wait a second. It, is the house so big that none of them saw each other that evening when well, it actually live there. happened? They, they, didn't know that, right. they didn't know Anthony was taken away in an ambulance with third-degree burns to his face. They never like, checked they in notice. on each other at the hospital. That tracks with they his did, family, yeah, though. They just hate each other that much. They're just like, yeah, yeah we think he did went he to die? the hospital, but we really don't care, do we? No, we got to go to Monte Carlo. Bye! We're going to Monte Carlo. <laughs> <laughs> and spend all the money for three years, and we'll get Susan out of the nut house when we need no, more. <laughs> he, think he, he reacts horribly. The girl, poor Susan, she's, he's like, she's like, well, go say hi to your cousin Anthony. She's like, Ugh. She does actually do that, which I just thought was hysterical. <laughs> You're all awful people. And, 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 and the movie is, it's every trope imaginable, every gaslight movie, every, mm. let's, you know, let's, uh, you know, there's always those typical strain of movies of let's like, you know, let's drive your poor, insane, rich wife to craziness you know yeah type of thing now they're just doing it to the daughter but i just and and then of course the thunder claps at the end of a sentence and, you know. daddy if we talk will it chase away the dreams the bad dreams if you keep on having these nightmares you might have to go back to the convent you perfectly, know, perfectly timed. Always <laughs> at a dinner. Always at a dinner sequence when the lights are very dim, and and then everyone just looks at each other with a with an awful side air stare. Yeah, close up, close up of eyes doing this. Yes, going back and forth, <laughs> back and forth. And I have to do. You know, I'm going to have to do a movie like that because it's just, it's crazy. You know, it's, they're just too I, much fun. It's not, they're not just trying to drive Susan crazy. The burnt cousin and the governess are also scheming to get rid of Don Amici. The necklace. If it really were around here somewhere, I mean, considering the state of your health, the diamonds would make a very comforting consolation if I were suddenly to become a widow. And, they, and they, they, at, at the same time, they all hate each other 
even yeah. if they're in alliance with each other. So it's like it's just one big table of hate. It's oh, it's, it's, I, I, I love it. It's I love great. it. But he, in particular, uh, the cousin, what's his name? The actor to play the burnt cousin? Uh, Maxwell Reed. Thank you. That's his name, he, Maxwell Reed. He is saddled with some purple prose dialogue. I understand one thing. The past is like a tiger. No matter how you pet it and pretend that it's tame, one day it will turn. Well, I'd be careful of the past if I were you, Edward, because it's here, here in every stone and every timber of this estate. A state which is more mine than yours. Boys. Got lines like, the past is like a tiger, Anthony. No matter how you pet it and pretend that it's tame, one day it'll turn on you. Just, what? Oh. <laughs> Everyone has the most convoluted way of saying everything. I'm merely stating fact. And fact is a stubborn truth. But he makes it work, and he's got the most of it. And he, oh, yeah, but he's, he's got that, that Shakespearean dialect going on. He's a very classic actor. You can tell he's been trained, you know, for years. And it's just love to see a, a good ham get up there and really go for it. And, and like I said, the, 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 these other two are scheming to get rid of Don Amici. And like I said earlier, Francine's not hiding it. He used to have money, Anthony. But now you don't. And now I'm bored. <laughs> Bored, 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 bored. I loved you once, but you became poor, and I became bored. So bored I could die. Cure me. I've given you everything. I've tried everything to cure you. Cure Cure me. What do you want me to do? Cure me. How? I've tried every way I know. You've gone through $100,000 worth of remedies. What else can I do? I've already told you. Cure me. Well, I'm trying, damn it. That's why I'm selling everything. <laughs> I, I was really, um, I was so envious watching that and go, why can't that be me up there doing that? I was like, I need, I, I want to do more of that because that's just bad dialogue and me are perfect together. Oh, yeah. So- <laughs> I, but you know what? You know what? If you're wearing that fabulous black and white color block coat that she had on. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wanted that, too. I was looking at that. I was like, I want to wear, I want that. I want that. I want that trench coat, too. And, you know, see things. It's like, that's nice. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> I'm trying to think what else. Well, the, the falcon, that's another whole thing, too. Well, I see you still keep these beasts. I wouldn't come too close if I were you. Cleo can be rather unpredictable. I thought she would have flown away by now. I still find her far more constant than a woman. But another whole thing, you know, just so like, was, was the Falcon actually just to scare her and terrify her? Or was it really supposed to attack her? Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, if some little Did it attack her ever? Did it ever attack her? Right. But, you know, but, you know, he was aiming it for, you know, he was aiming it towards her. And I yeah, love true. how she's screaming in this large, echoing chamber of a house and nobody hears her scream. And she has quite a loud scream. But nobody hears it. She's at it again. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Dothy. Oh, must didn't be three fifteen. It's the three fifteen scream, guys. More Nyquil. <laughs> More Nyquil. <laughs> Do we have any quaaludes? Exactly. <laughs> have, they, have they been invented yet? Or whatever uh, they took. Back. Oh, back then, yeah, they probably just gave her. A, oh, jeez, whatever. Just put a nipple on a bottle of bourbon. Give it to her. Right, second <laughs> all. Be that would have been that would have been the big thing second back all. then. Second all, yeah. <laughs> My God. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, the, the hawk was just a right. And it also uh, breaks through the window. But then, of course, it was a, then they made it a, it dream. a dream. It was a dream. So it was, it was dream. like, okay, so we're confused. So she is but, crazy. Yeah, I, 
I mean, I get it just because it was tying in with the necklace because the necklace had everything high, uh, the the whole thing is about necklace, necklace, who's got the necklace? Which was very cool. I mean, that was very cool symbolism. The hawk, the necklace, the, the you know, the, the bust of the dress, the whole type right. of Right, it's thing. all about birds and flight. Very smart, yeah. yeah. The memory trying to come back to her. For my mother and father to come home from a party. And I had this, this toy. Um, I think it was a bird. Like a hawk or, or a falcon. A hawk? You mean like the ones Tony keeps? But this one wasn't real. It was a toy bird. All glittering and, and fiery. Like a, a bird in flight? It was all shimmering like... Like diamonds? Then what did you do with it? I buried it. It died, so I buried it. How can a toy die? Although I realized this time, the beginning of the movie, we're seeing the fire. And we're hearing, we're hearing, the worms crawling, the worms crawling, into your stomach and out of your mouth. The worms crawl in, the worms crawl out, in your stomach and out your mouth. <laughs> this time through when I was watching it again last night, it's all about necklace, necklace, who's got the necklace. But the first five seconds of the movie, they showed us who has the necklace. You see the little kid hand take the necklace. Yes. Yes, but then they make her so crazy throughout it. You wonder if it was just a, a an impression that was put upon her yeah. in her thoughts. You know, you don't know. And then when you finally get to the end, it's like, well, I'll be. It's like it's what you thought, but then it's not what you thought. Yeah. I mean, are we doing spoilers on this or no? Um, I'm almost going to say no. Make them watch it. <laughs> it's free on YouTube, you guys, and it's a ton exactly. of fun. I'll be, I'll be doing a watch party for it at some point. I'll let you know, Alan. <laughs> yeah. Sitting bits through bits in the chat. Definitely. But, um, Something I caught this time through. In case you don't get it. And that last scene. Because the, the final reel of the movie, everything starts to echo in the present. What happened three years ago, the night of the fire? It's a storm. It's, like, and Donna Michi has to keep pointing out, it's just like that night. Yes. Just, just, he says it eight times. I counted it. <laughs> but that's, but that's, but that's like interesting. That night. Because just then you're, like that. But then you're we realize got it, Don. after Ghost, he's crazy too they're all fucked yeah that shit crazy too so i was like ah that, now now that make that makes it very interesting why his performance seemed so flat to me also mm -hmm. you know he's got something he, to hide yeah he, he's got a lot to hide and he can't say anything so i thought mm -hmm. that was at the end it's like ah i got it but then of course what a creepy ending oh yep mm. what a creepy ending they live happily ever after and then you know i hated susan the whole movie i wanted to grab her and shake her Yes. The blank face, the mouth always open. Corey Haim said, close your mouth, honey. You're catching flies. <laughs> Answer questions with questions. It seems so spacey. Then all of a sudden, that last scene, I'm like, there she is. Right. I thought the You're same thing. You're on fire thing. right I now. That was, You're great. I would have liked to have seen a little more of that throughout, so it would have taken away my annoyance. But then it's cool because I, I did the same thing at that end scene. I was like, bravo. That was excellent. I didn't expect that. No, I, I said this time around, I just all of a sudden caught her eyes and I went, that's a whole different character right now. I didn't realize this before. This is this is she's gone to to Cuckoo Birdland, and it's wonderful. And it's too bad that she retired after that. I mean, it's like I would love to have seen what else she would have done as she got older. It would have been interesting. From what I understand, she took a lot of flack for it. Did she really? Took a lot of flack for it. Yep. Um, for playing the movie or for not acting? For not being Hollywood pretty. 
Oh, it was oh, a lot of. She oh, was such a cute oh. kid, and look at her now. People are awful. But I thought okay. she. I mean, I saw some pictures. She was a very attractive woman. I mean, you know, oh yeah, it's not like today. I mean, it's serious. So, you know, they really back then they put you on such a pedestal of what you had to look like, and you know, the poor girls back then was just terrible. You know, it's. I mean, it's okay for you know, and that's what's so funny. It's like, it's, why do these men, these character actors, all look like a bunch of you know miserable slobs you wouldn't have anything to do with? You know. Pop face work- motherfuckers, yeah. And, yeah. and they're working their way into their 60s with, yeah. with, with 29-year-old ingenues as their girlfriends, you know? There's all that going on. And yet the woman, you know, the females were just, you know, as soon as they hit 40, it was like really gross. Really, really gross. I want to tell you something horrible. This is the total sidebar. Exorcist to the heretic. Yes. I remember when it was coming on TV for the first time. And Newsday, the, new- the local newspaper, had the TV guide their own TV guide, and it had the big window on the page. This is the feature of tonight. And it had a little mini review. And it said, Linda Blair's back four years later and 40 pounds heavier. Oh, wow. She was a child. I know. You she know, was 12. Of course she's going to be 40 pounds heavier. She grew six inches. And I didn't think she looked 40 pounds heavier. She just looked like a developing young woman. I thought she looked quite sexy, actually. She looked beautiful. I thought she looked great, too. But what and, a horrible they, thing to say about But they really her. killed her again when, they did, when she did Hell Night. And, you know, obviously, you know, as as a lot of us do when we get into those college years, we always put a couple pounds on. Everyone does as soon as they You're get their growing. late teens, early <laughs> 20s. They put a little extra pounds on and stuff. And you can see they corseted her really tight into this, like, little Victorian outfit. You yeah. know, and, but the comments on most of the reviews are like, oh, look how porky she is. Look how big she is. I thought she looked adorable in the film, actually. But well, of course she looks porky. She's got her she's got her tits queased up to here, so yeah, of course they're extra. They, yeah, she and, looks and, she and looks heavier. Big deal. She's got ten extra pounds on her or something like she that. Got you know? <laughs> she's got an Oscar. She's got an Oscar. That's true. <laughs> Fuck too. you. That's true too. But still, the same. I'm just saying it's that same thing. It's like it's terrible how you know how they were just treating these young girls back then. Awful. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot. I understand there was a lot of comments. I was like, there was no way that Zsa Zsa Gabor gave birth to that. Which is which is true, but it's still a child that you're talking about. It's, it's exactly, not nice. exactly. Of course, we're doing it's, it now. We're doing it now. But yeah, that, I mean, yeah, I'm, on, just, I'm on her side. I'm on her we're side. We're just purveying it. <laughs> we're purveying it. Um, and her, her whole lesson, all of her lines, are, so many of her lines are so creepy. I want to wear the necklace, mommy. I want to look pretty for daddy. I want to look pretty like mommy for daddy. What the fuck is going on? I, I'm, well, I'm, really, I'm really curious about, I wonder what their dynamic was like on, on shooting that too. You know, because I, I, it says, you know, in her IMDb, it has picture mommy dead. And then it has like about five or six episodes of my three sons. So I'm wondering which was first, like, was my three sons really follow it? Or did picture mommy dead really like be the nail in the coffin for her to say, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, or who knows and who, dad, what shot did first? make me crazy on set, you know, or it'd be an interesting to see what the dynamic between the two of them were. You know, and she had been acting for an awfully long time. That girl's been yeah. acting since she was an infant. So, or she, it just might not have been for her. I'm just like I'm done with this. I've been doing Could this be. forever. I don't like it. Everybody sucks. I want to have a life. She probably wanted yeah. to. You know, at that yeah. age, she's just like I want to be like all the rest of the you know kids my age yeah. and just do whatever I want to do. Hopefully, <laughs> you're thinking of something I, I can see. <laughs> just picture some college party. Like, is anybody gonna stab anybody? Is anyone yeah. big insects anywhere? <laughs> Your dad made all those movies. Is, is, is Peter, oh God, what's his name? Blonde, tall, Swedish, was in a bunch of Bert Gordon movies. Did biography. Peter, Mission Impossible. Peter Graves. Peter Graves. Like, Peter, isn't Graves. Peter Graves. Isn't Peter Graves going to be here? 
No, it's a frat party. Oh. I'm sure he probably did a, a Bird Eye Gardner movie or two himself way back he in the day. He did a bunch of them. He, the beginning of the end. Oh, you're right. You're right. Where he's responsible no. for all this radioactivity and <laughs> yes. causing all this death and mayhem with giant grasshoppers. But he's, they don't blame him for it. No, because he solved it with a tape recorder. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You're right. And a megaphone. A tape recorder and a megaphone (laughs) off the Sears Tower. That'll drive them all into the water. Oh, my God. You know what? They did the same thing in A Quiet Place, for God's sake. They did the same damn thing. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Is that what they're going to do? Spoiler. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll forget. I'll forget. I'll forget. I'm old enough to forget quickly. We never had this conversation. Okay. Ended. You know, this movie would have been great. I hate that movie anyway, but not the point right now where I can talk about that. Okay. What movie you um, hated? Quiet Place. Oh, oh. I Particularly know. the sequel, because it's just like, I'm a mother and I have a baby, so I'm better than all of you. Like, everywhere <laughs> that this family goes and forces, the, like, this perfectly functioning communities in this apocalyptic world, everywhere they go, they bring death with them and destroy <laughs> You have to take us in because I have a baby. I've and seen everybody clips. dies it looks, because it looks of you and your fucking ten- baby. It, it looks very tense, though. She's always lit like the Madonna. I'm like, bitch, put the... <laughs> well, your husband I is can't... like the star director. Of course, he's going to give her the star treatment as far as the filming. I, I also have an Oscar. Oh. <laughs> 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 anyway, we're not talking about it. Uh, one, one of my favorite things, too. This is just random. You mentioned that nobody comes when Susan screams. Yes, except nobody. for the one point, except except the point where, where Francine and cousin Anthony are finally doing it. Right. And right. she runs out of the house screaming and they decide to come out naked on the balcony. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, of course. Of all times. That's right. But all the other times, of which all, is about of- four other times in that nobody huge does. echoing castle, she's screaming her head off, but nobody hears her. That's, but then she's outdoors. Then she's outdoors and everybody hears her. So that's funny. And of all the people in the cast, those two are not coming when she screams. They're like, let her go. Let and her I just love that, they, that she comes running out with just a sheet wrapped around her. But he's still fully clothed, which is even funnier. You know, so. <laughs> uh-huh. Just just to be sure that Donna Michi knows that they're boning, which she knew anyway. <laughs> I know. I know. And of course, I always love the effect, too, because, you know, Francine's hair is kind of in a solid very hard chignon through the whole thing. Sure, 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 And then sure. when they're outside and it starts raining, nothing. <laughs> nothing. So you I knew noted that too. the rain machine was probably a foot in front of her, but she wasn't getting wet. None of them got wet. I noticed no, none of them got wet. I love that effect. They said, oh, we don't have time for get them all back in air and makeup again. Just push them aside and pretend they're wet. Hilarious. It's great. It took 14 hours to make this hairstyle. Exactly, we are not exactly, getting it wet. Exactly. Exactly. That's you went how it to, went. You went to bed with those hairdos. Oh, we absolutely had the satin pillow. I know my, my mom. <laughs> my mother was the queen of the beehives and the flips and the, you know, if it was on Star Trek, she was wearing it. And, <laughs> and there was some pretty, pretty fancy do's going on back then. Or if it, it was Elizabeth Taylor's who she followed because she looked like her. So whatever Liz's do was. She'd go and get the same thing. And people would stop her all the time and ask her for autographs. You know? So I said, well, you signed it, didn't you? And she goes, no, I couldn't do that. It's like, oh, come on. You're ruining my fun. Ruining my fun. I hate it. I hate it when they do that. But. (laughs) 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 Oh, look, it's Elizabeth Taylor. (laughs) Who, me? Oh, 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 oh. No, I didn't yell that about myself. That was that person over there. (laughs) Exactly. No, no. (laughs) This is a crazy movie, and it is a lot of fun if you're in the right mood. Picture Mommy Dead. Best title. Dead. Best, <laughs> dead. Dead. Best title. 
Such a great title. You know, and that's like, I love when you have titles like that, like Picture Mommy Dead, I Dismember Mama, Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. These great macabre. Lurid. Uh, title, lurid titles. Titles like that, I just howl when I, yeah, they are lurid. That's what I love about them. They're just great. Well, as opposed to now, okay, this just might be, like, now that I know my independent filmmakers, I personally know them, but I know how many times people have a great title and then the marketing companies like no we're going to change it to something totally banal that there's already 12 ah. movies with the exact same title oh yeah and everything is the the, the damned the, yeah, the cursed the cursed the avenger the this the that everything's the today yeah, yeah meanwhile i had some evocative title like i'm trying to think uh, like uh, my friend he he directed this fabulous little uh queer texas cannibal movie you know the you know uh, a bunch of Gays going to a music co- concert get stopped by a storm and take shelter in some oh, conservative Sean Christian. Ewart. Sean Ewart, oh, yes. Sean. Oh, I know Sean. I love Sean. Down we in love Texas. Sean. Sacri- we love Sean. Yeah. What was it? Sacrilege or Sacrifice was the other film. It, just- it was, well, they changed it to Sacrament. They, they changed it to Sacrament, which came out the exact same time as Ty West's Sacrament. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Where it had that other title, Sinners for Dinner. Much better time. <laughs> oh yeah, Sean's so ta- he's so talented. I really yeah. like him a lot. He, you know, I went down to uh, I had done two films for Abel Berry and Jen Stone down in Texas years ago, and they were all friendly together. And Sean and his husband Jeff as well, lovely, lovely people, really nice. Yeah, I gotta have him back on the show. It's been oh too yeah, long. he's great. He's terrific. Yeah. yeah, quite an artist. He's the one who turned me on to um, um creatures from the Pink Lagoon. <gasps> that I remember that I remember when that was that was like in the early indie films. Yeah, back in yeah, the two yeah. thousands, coming yeah. out, and that was that. That was really something back then, you know. Yeah, Chris, I remember yeah, looking at that Chris, and going, "Oh wow, that that's 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 pretty edgy." It's Night of the Living Dead meets Boys in the Band, and it works. It did. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was great fun. It was great fun to watch. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Alan. Where can people find out more about you and what's going on with your career and see some of your movies? Oh well, unfortunately, Tales of Poe is back in order, and we're out on. Uh, Amazon Prime, Google Play, YouTube Movies, and Tubi TV. We'll have other platforms coming up soon. Site 13 is right now doing the the circuit, you know, the festival circuit, and hopefully we'll lock in some distribution by the fall. And uh, I'm in this one film, A Roadhouse Coup, but we're still filming that right now. So that might be out in the fall as well, too. So Is that the Meat Cleaver Lady one? Uh, the Mallet Murderess, yes. Oh, Mallet Murderess, okay. The Mallet Murderess, get, yes. Get your weapons correct there. I'm sorry. <laughs> she used a mallet, but... <laughs> So, you know, so a couple things going on and hopefully maybe get a short together this year or, you know, hopefully get some other parts too, you know, just kind of going for it. Okay. That yes. sounds fabulous. Alan Roe Kelly, thank you so much for joining thank me. This you was again. a delight. I loved this one. This is great. good fun with a classy yes. person. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, please, please. That's just an exterior thing. You know me. I met me. The, you know. Ah, <laughs> shrewd. Very good. Touche. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> I'm learning but from this movie. I'm still be- definitely uh, next time you can find something fun, bring me and Bart on for it. And Bart, the two- we'll have a riot. Uh huh. I can just I can just check out and let you two take over. It'll be a good time. All no, right. Thank you no, so no, much, no. Alan. Have a fabulous rest of the day. Stay safe. Stay, stay healthy. And by the way, stay fabulous. You too. Stay dead, darling. <laughs> bye, bye, Patrick. All right. Thanks again to Alan Rowe Kelly for coming and hanging out with me. That was indeed how they say fabulous. And to say thank you to Alan yourself, why don't you go check out Tales of Poe? It's available on Amazon Prime right now. It's a great little movie. Uh, Obviously, it's Tales of Edgar Allan Poe, but the cast 
You cannot believe this cast. I don't know how they did it, but Alan and Bart Mastronati managed to get like every 80s scream queen ever to come out of retirement to do this movie. They got Amy Steele from Friday the 13th Part 2, Adrian King from Friday the 13th, Carolyn Williams from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, Leslie Donaldson from Happy Birthday to Me, Debbie Rashawn from Everything, Desiree Gould from Sleepaway Camp, and, and Randy Jones from The Village People, the cowboy from The Village People's in this movie. So it's Tales of Poe, but super queer. It's available on Amazon Prime Video. Not free for streaming yet. It's a $3 rental. Totally worth it. Check it out. You won't be sad. If you are, you can come beat me up. Don't beat me up. So a quick rundown of what's been going on at Scream Queen's headquarters since last we chatted. Well, I'm trying to get out of the house more. It's really difficult. You know, Every time I'm just about to break out of my pandemic isolation, something new comes along to keep me in. And of course, the new thing, that well, not the new thing, but the thing that's keeping me in now is Miss Boots. Because she's a kitten. And she's a secret agent, but that's not the point right now. But the fact that she's a kitten and so high maintenance, and so high energy, rather. If I stay out late, she sleeps the whole time I'm out. So as soon as I come home, it's like, let's party, let's party, let's play, let's play, let's play Mousy Pouncy, let's play with the Legend Board, let's do everything, let's keep Patrick from going to sleep. Secret Agent Boots, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. I know, Steve, we gotta fight the evil agents for Pigeon. Pigeon. It's like Cobra, but with birds. Never mind. It's a whole complicated secret agent thing that you couldn't possibly understand. But I've gotten on a couple of times. I got to go see this new production of Stephen Sondheim's company on Broadway. I know you're already bored, but listen, it's got Patti Lapone in it, gay icon, and also she was in American Horror Story, so it counts. Here's the thing. The whole thing with this production of company is that the genders have been reversed. Like, normally it's a guy in the lead, now it's a woman in the lead. Okay, but... Everyone's been talking about that. I'm like, well, we don't really know if we like the girl playing Bobby very much. That's all anybody's talking about. I liked her, but that's not the point right now. Nobody's talking about the fact that I saw Patty Lapone take her panties down on stage and pee. She sat on a toilet and peed on stage in front of me, in the room with me. It was live. She was in the room with me peeing, peeing. She was peeing. I'm going to have to start calling her Patty Lapee from now on because that's what I saw her do. How is anybody not talking about this? I don't know. It's crazy. My neighborhood has this, they're doing their gay meetups again, where we go to a restaurant. This is my first time meeting this group, and I'm I'm gonna go. And it turns out there's two restaurants in the same neighborhood with the same name. I went to the wrong one, so I showed up late, and I got there, and there was no seating left. And they said, oh, we well, can sit over here and this other table, and everybody will start filling in. That's also coming in late. Nobody else came in late. I sat there for like 10 minutes by myself. I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna go. I felt like I was at the kitty table at Thanksgiving. I said, this will not do. Fuck all you queens. I'm going. But then fortunately, I ran into Rex Bobbish. Hi, Rex Bobbish. He's a friend of mine from Marie's Crisis, who was just happened to be having dinner in the main dining room. And we sat and we talked shit about all of them. It was great fun. Aside from that, nothing's going on. My life is boring. It's okay. I don't mind. I'm old and boring. Hooray for old and boring. But you know what's not boring? My social media feeds. Because I've made two posts in the past couple of days about the don't say gay bill and now i'm being called a groomer i'm a groomer i'm indoctrinating the youth yes i'm indoctrinating youth not to be assholes okay fuck this bill fuck everybody who's in favor of this bill i don't come at me don't you dare come at me well clearly you haven't read the bill it doesn't say gay it doesn't have to say gay the context in which this bill was written we all know what it is they don't have to say gay and the fact that it doesn't say gay and how loose do interpretation things are is what's going to make this goddamn thing dangerous. Because let me tell you something about being a gay kid. I was a gay kid. I knew what hurt me when I was growing up. And this shit that you're doing right now, you're hurting your kids. Okay, I, that's all I got to say about that. Uh, 
Is there anything else? I don't think so. So I'm just going to say thank you to my friends over at Captivate FM. You know, those disco dancing, roller boogieing, jive talking, funky walking, well-dressed motherfuckers at Captivate FM. They are my podcast hosts, and they make my life so much easier. One of the things I love best about Captivate FM is these courses that they have that are included for free. Right now, I'm taking a free class on podcast SEO, which other places you turn that you 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 pay a hundred two hundred dollars for a class like this, and it's just included. They have like twenty five different classes right now, and I'm learning so much about my own industry, and it's all included in the price. They're so easy to use, and they're British, so their customer service people are not only on point, they are polite as fuck, and they all have sexy accents. So there's a plus right there. And you know what else is a plus? You can try it out for free for seven days by going to www.screamqueens.com slash captivate. Try it out. Help out the show. And help out your life. So next time, things are gonna get sleazy. Because the film that we're talking about, it's a story of lurid sex, murder, cannibalism and greed it's also the best black comedy from 1982 we're going to be talking about eating raul starring paul bartell and mary warnoff and if that's not sleazy and groovy enough the boys from groovy doom are going to be here again talk about sam panico and bill van ran so it's gonna get weird and you are going to love it so if you'd like to get in touch with me here at the show you can drop me a line on any of those social media you can find me on facebook at scream queens at facebook.com slash scream queens of course that's queens with a z i'm I'm on Twitter at Scream Queens. I'm on Instagram at Scream Queens Podcast. And hey, why don't you check out our YouTube channel, which is, of course, at Scream Queens or Hard Gets Gay on YouTube. And if you're free Sunday night, why don't you come watch a movie with us at the Scream Queens Drive-In? This Sunday, we're going to be watching Burnt Offerings from 1978, fabulous little scary haunted house movie. And you know what? If you did not come last time, if you did not come last time when we watched The Selling, do you know what you missed? The writer and star of The Selling, Gabriel Diani, came and hung out with us the whole time, and it was fabulous. So you better be here, because you don't know who you're not going to see if you don't come see the thing that we're seeing. And you can do that at www.screamqueens.com slash drive and come join us at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Is that it? I think that's it. So until next time, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, continue to make the world a more fabulously creepy place and do that by never, ever forgetting the Scream Queen's golden rule. Come on, kids. Say it along with me. I should probably stop saying kids because people think I'm indoctrinating you. Who gives a fuck? Fight or flight. Survive the night. Make it to the final rail. Wear a fucking mask. Wash your fucking hands. Keep your fucking distance. Get the goddamn shot if you can and never forget for a second how much I love you. Bye. music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com. Bitches! <laughs> Ew.